In these weeks leading up to Easter, in this season that's called Lent, we've got readings from the Gospel of John. And John's Gospel is very different from Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the other three Gospels. So I want to tell you a bit about how it's different and what John is doing. And then I want to focus on this Gospel where Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. So, if you read a bit of John's Gospel, you very quickly see that he tells the story of Jesus in quite a different way. Where Matthew, Mark, and Luke have Jesus telling parables and going around and doing healings, and there's a lot of action that's being reported, the pace in John's Gospel is much slower. And Jesus has these long soliloquies where he will speak with metaphors and with very theologically developed language about who he is and what God has sent him to do. It's very, very different. And it's, it, all you have to do is look at the beginning of John's Gospel and compare it to how, for example, Matthew and Luke begin their Gospels. They begin with the Christmas story. So we've got stories about Mary and Joseph and the angels and baby Jesus in a manger and shepherds coming and wise men coming. John doesn't have anything of that. He, he says nothing about baby Jesus. He doesn't mention Joseph. Mary comes in much later. He begins with this kind of strange philosophical language. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So different. It's not like the nativity story at all. Because John is doing something different. John is going very deep very quickly. And that's partly because he wrote his gospel much later than the others, and there'd been a whole lot more time to reflect as a Christian community about who was this man? What did his life mean? What did his words mean? And John brings all that reflection into his gospel. What he often does, and we see it today, and we'll see it in the next few weeks, is he John sets Jesus in a conversation with somebody else. So in this case, it's Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is a religious leader. He's a Jew. He's a Pharisee. He's a member of the Sanhedrin, which is the kind of the ruling religious body in Israel at the time. So Nicodemus knows his stuff. He studied the scriptures. He knows what's going on, but you see him showing up here, and he's just baffled. And it's interesting, he wants to find out who Jesus is, but he's a little bit shy, or he's a little bit furtive, because he chooses to come at night, as if he doesn't want anyone to see him going to Jesus. Jesus has already started doing some strange things. He has recently been into the temple and knocked all the tables over, cleared out the money changers, cleared out people selling animals, and the religious authorities have got their eye on him. And Nicodemus probably doesn't want to be identified too closely with Jesus, so he comes at night secretly and he says, he's very diplomatic, he says, I can tell you're from God, you're a man of God, because if you weren't, 
you wouldn't be doing these things. And you can almost hear this silent, but I've got a few questions. He doesn't actually pose a question. He just leaves it open. And Jesus replies with a kind of riddle. Jesus says, you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you're born again, or born from above, or born anew. It's a bit of a non sequitur. And oh, Nicodemus is saying, what? And Jesus goes on. He says, you have to be born fresh to be able to see what God is doing. Nicodemus says, what are you talking about? You can't be born more than once. Are you saying, I've got to go back in my mother's womb? Obviously not. So Jesus gives it another shot and starts talking about the life of the Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is like a wind that blows wherever it wants and that brings us a new kind of birth. And on it goes, very riddle-like, like a Zen koan, when you, know, you go to the Zen teacher who, and you say, oh, Zen teacher, what is the meaning of life? And the Zen teacher says, it's like the sound of one hand clapping or something. Jesus is almost doing that. And we don't know what Nicodemus made of it because John doesn't tell us that. He just gives this speech that Jesus makes, which goes on to give the one verse that's probably one of the best-known verses in the Bible, it's the verse that people hold up at uh, sports events, John 3.16. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him should not perish, that's an important word, perish, but have eternal life. It's as if John is trying to say, here's my entire gospel, summed up in one verse. This is it. The meaning of Jesus is that it's from the heart of God's love to the whole world so that we can have eternal life. And then in case we missed it, John has Jesus add an extra verse, kind of saying the same thing again, that he comes not to condemn the world, but to save it. That's where the conversation ends. We don't know what Nicodemus thought, but there's a little clue because later Nicodemus shows up again, and I'm going to come back to that. But it's as if Nicodemus is trying to wrap his head around something. He's a lawyer, he's theologically educated, and those two things can be strikes against you because you tend to sort of try and see black and white. You need to as a lawyer. You've got to see black and white. As a theologian, you study the minutest little bits of scripture. So for Nicodemus, he's trying to figure out, Jesus, who are you and what are you doing? But Jesus seems to be saying, it's not about your head. It's not about figuring it out. It's about having your heart radically changed by allowing the Holy Spirit to create you fresh to give you this this new quality of life. And it's not that Jesus is saying, you've got to believe in me so you can go to heaven, otherwise you're going to perish in hell. That's not actually Jesus' message. His message is, when you open your heart 
to the Holy Spirit, to God's love, to my message, you will be changed now in this life. The quality of your life will change. And later on he says, I came so that you could have abundant life. Abundant life. It's the opposite of perishing. If you think of a rubber ball that's been left out in the sun and it's perished, the rubber is really hard, isn't it? And it cracks. And if you try and bounce it, it just goes thunk and lies on the floor and stays there. That's what it is to perish spiritually. It's not about being sent to hell. It's about being closed up. It's about having a heart that's closed in on itself and hard and defended. Whereas abundant life, eternal life, is about having a kind of softening and an opening up that allows the Holy Spirit to work, that allows you to take the risk of taking Jesus seriously, of listening to God. It doesn't guarantee sunshine and roses all the time. If your heart is open, you'll feel suffering, you'll feel sorrow more deeply, but you'll also feel joy and delight and surprise. So Jesus is saying, this is what I'm all about, that your heart can be full and abundant, living in this quality of eternal life that starts now instead of being dried up and perished. Now, as I mentioned, we don't know what Nicodemus made of that. I imagine he went away still scratching his head. But in chapter 7, he shows up again. And it's very interesting. Because what's happening now is Jesus is getting in more trouble. Jesus has been causing the religious authorities to really decide he has to be stopped. So the Jewish police, the religious police, have been sent to arrest him. But then guess what? They've come back and said, we don't want to arrest him. What he's saying makes a lot of sense to us. And that's got the Pharisees very mad. So the Pharisees are all together. These are the religious leaders saying, we've got to shut this guy up. The police are not arresting him. The people are listening to him. This is terrible. We've got to arrest him. And then Nicodemus pipes up. He's, he's in that crowd. He's one of the Pharisees. And Nicodemus, ever the lawyer, says, isn't there a law which says we should give someone a fair hearing before we condemn them? He's absolutely right. There is. That law exists in the Hebrew tradition. You give someone a fair hearing. But the Pharisees say, what, are you one of his disciples too? And the question hangs in the air. Nicodemus vanishes from the script again until the end of Jesus' life. And this is the most surprising thing of all. Because Jesus has died on the cross, his body is being taken down, and somebody has donated a tomb for his body to be laid in, Joseph of Arimathea. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke say that the body was laid... It was the eve of the Sabbath, so everybody had to go home until the Sabbath was over. And after the Sabbath, the women came to the tomb with ointments and spices to clean and anoint his body. And that's when they discovered he'd been raised from the dead. That's what Matthew, Mark, and Luke say. John has a completely different version. 
John says, no, as Jesus' body was taken off the cross and given to be laid in the tomb, there's Nicodemus. And what has he brought with him? A hundred pounds of ointment. Now, if you think of a jar of jam, that's about half a pound, right? Or is it two pounds? I don't know. Depends on the size of the jar, I guess. A hundred pounds is a lot of ointment. Nicodemus has shown up with a bucketful of ointment to anoint Jesus' body. What is John telling us? John doesn't have any details that aren't incredibly symbolic. John is all about metaphor. I think what he's saying is, Nicodemus is now a disciple. He has stepped out of his safety and the kind of black and white rational world, and he's taking the biggest risk of his life to be seen at the crucifixion, to be seen caring for Jesus' body. And he's doing it so extravagantly, a hundred pounds of ointment. It's about abundance. It's about complete over-the-top devotion. Because something has happened to Nicodemus's heart. It's gone from being cautious and doubtful and fearful to being wide open to the mysterious grace of God, to this Jesus who he has passionately fallen in love with and wants to follow, even though it's apparently led to death. And that's Nicodemus's last appearance in the gospel. It's such a telling story because from this man who comes by night with all his doubts to this man who in broad daylight has this extravagant way of ministering to his teacher. It's like passing from death to life. It's as if Nicodemus has been born again. That's exactly what's happened. And that's John's gospel for us. That for us, when life can shut us down and make our hearts harden and we close ourselves off, the invitation to eternal life is to live with an open heart now. Even though that costs us pain, even though that's uh, as painful as it is joyful, it's a heart that's open. It's a life that's abundant. So in the whole of that little story of the conversation, John's gospel gives its meaning. That's the invitation to us, to move into this abundant life, following the teacher that we're learning slowly to fall in love with. Amen.